Welcome back to Well That's Interesting, the uh, the be careful what you put in your mouth edition. Amazing. Um, I think I need this edition. <laughs> um, as someone who puts a lot of hot Cheetos okay. in their mouth. I think that's fine. And Takis at the same time. Okay. What are Takis though? I didn't know what Takis were because I'm from New York and they don't have ta- They Well, they do now, but... Back in my day, they didn't have Takis. So what are Takis? I wish I could tell you. I'm not 100% (laughs) sure. (laughs) Um, But from what I have seen and tasted, um, they're like rolled up into little tubes, uh, tortillas that are rolled up into these little tubes. Yeah. And then covered in this red powder, deep fried. Deep fried and then covered in this red powder that is... Very addictive and yeah. full of chemicals that I love. Amazing. Yeah. It kind of sounds like Southern Doritos. Yeah, but like better. Yeah. <laughs> we are not sponsored by Takis, by the way. No, <laughs> but if Takis wants to sponsor us and send a lot of boxes, I'm, <laughs> I'm only going to be a little mad. Like, go for it. Um, give them to me. That sounds... Wonderful. God. Okay. We're going to talk about things people put in their mouths. Uh, okay. Should we just get into it, I guess? I, I think so. <laughs> right. We are at in between 031. Wasabi leads to a broken heart, and beef jerky leads to manic episodes. Uh, once again, I find myself worried. Um, <laughs> that's this that's this podcast in a nutshell. Yeah, honestly. it's like, oh, I did something I didn't know I could be worried about. Yeah. Ah. That's, um, that's us. That's us. <laughs> no, I, I love both wasabi and beef jerky, preferably not together. But um... <laughs> uh, I'm Jill Chacha, and I am with uh, wasabi-loving, beef jerky eaten. Talkie down and Marissa Riley. Thank you. That is me. <laughs> Put it on a business card. Um, that's who I am. Uh, should we begin? We shall. Uh, let's begin our in-betweeny by heading over to Israel in oh. another lifetime back in 2019. Oh, wow. So long ago. I know. We're, we're guests at a wedding and everything is spectacular. It's everything you want in a wedding party. An open bar, there's great music, your friends look great despite how they're dancing, and there's food, and there's food. (laughs) (laughs) There's food everywhere. Now, one guest, a 60-year-old woman, was like any other guest enjoying all there was to be had. But something about the buffet just wasn't sitting right with her. Okay. Okay. Now, according to the study published in the September 2019 issue of BMJ Reports, quote, She felt a sudden pressure in her chest radiating to her arms, which lasted a few hours. Oh, my God. She decided not to leave the wedding, and the pain started to subside, end quote. Uh, uh, Cool. You know, party, man. You know? (laughs) Party on. (laughs) No party fouls for um, her. That's right. Uh, But the next day, although most of the physical pain was gone, she still experienced difficulty breathing. Yikes. Uh, She felt a little weak, and for someone in their 60s, that could signal a heart attack. Oh, my God. So she finally visited a local emergency room. Good. There the doctors... That's right. Good move. (laughs) There the doctors were like, okay, when did you start experiencing this pain? What were you doing at the time? And it turns out she could 
pinpoint exactly when it all began. At some point at the wedding, she, quote, ate a large amount of wasabi, assuming to it to be a v- avocado. Oh, there's the party film. <laughs> that's, a- <laughs> that's a pretty big mistake. Um, that's a painful mistake. Yeah. Yeah. They look very similar, but they yeah. are not. They are not. Uh, I doubt it was freshly grated wasabi and more like the Play-Doh version you get in a prepackaged California roll at like an airport or a gas station. You yeah. know what I mean? That stuff is just a big old ball of horseradish, mustard flour, cornstarch, and like green food coloring, basically. Ah. Yeah. Anyway, and unfortunately, she piled it on and like a well-seasoned 60-year-old at a party, shotgunned what she assumed to be the smooth, cool mush of an avocado. <laughs> Oops. Oh, no. And almost immediately, she knew that it wasn't. And the effects were clearly seen on an echocardiogram. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we've reached the imagination portion of our show. I'm ready. Are you ready? Yes. And I'd like you to picture a heart. Okay. And it's not an emoji. Okay. All right. I'm changing the picture. (laughs) (laughs) The real fucking thing. All right. All right. Veins. Yes. Chambers. Excellent. Everything. Yes. Now, you know how the heart is kind of bulbous at the bottom? Yes. Okay. Now we're looking at the lower right corner. Okay. Or the left ventricle which is a super important muscular chamber, and it pumps blood out of the heart. Blah, blah, blah. Amazing. (laughs) So let's zoom in, okay? Okay. Now, in your average heart, the left ventricle looks kind of like a long ice cream cone. Oh, I know. I can picture that. Okay. So, but in our party girl's heart, that echocardiogram, her left ventricle looked more like a pot. Oh, wow. So it was like blown up. Yes. It was puffed up. Exactly. Like yeah. a Cheeto. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's, yes. It had rounded out and weakened a bit after being suddenly stunned. Wow. Yeah. She was diagnosed with Takasubo cardiomyopathy or broken heart syndrome. Oh. I know. Which, which ironically occurred at a wedding. Oh, my God. I'm getting broken heart syndrome over this. My goodness. So, Dr. Marissa, if you would be so kind as to read from the St. Vincent's Hospital website, svhhearthealth.com.au, and help describe just what exactly is this broken heart syndrome. I would absolutely love to do so. Uh, Quote, broken heart syndrome is a temporary heart condition that develops in response to an intense emotional or physical experience. In this condition, the heart's main pumping chamber changes shape, affecting the heart's ability to pump blood effectively. Common triggers can include the death of a loved one, a serious accident, a fierce argument, an unexpected loss, or a sudden illness. These triggers are the reason the condition's nickname, broken heart syndrome. There you go. End quote. End quote. Did I, did I sound like a news anchor you when did. I was reading and that? And that was great. Okay, I was, it was... I was not channeling one, <laughs> but I... I just became one. <laughs> I didn't have to channel it because I was. It was excellent and very precise. Very yes. precise. So not only is it bonkers that this woman ate so much wasabi that it blew out part of her left ventricle, but <laughs> that feeling you get in your chest after loss is an actual pain caused by an actual change 
in your heart. That's so that's real? It's real. Your broken heart is is it's actually real. Hurt? Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> That's right. I have felt that before. Yes. Especially when they run out of toppies. <laughs> That's right. So, oh, just you alone in the bodega. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll settle for hot fries. Yeah. <laughs> That's it's another okay. type of um, scorching hot chip. Anyways, yeah. Back to broken heart syndrome. <laughs> so, just like everyone's trauma is unique, as you just heard. <laughs> According to the Mayo Clinic, there's no standard treatment for BHS. Uh, some folks stay in the hospital while they recover, and they're prescribed medications similar to a heart attack. Wow. Medications called ACE inhibitors, and these medications basically help reduce the workload on your heart while that ventricle regains strength. Oh, it has to regain strength. Yeah, and it takes about a month for it to return to its normal coney shape. Wow. I know. Uh- I know. Yeah, I know. And Dr. Marissa, would you please read the next steps suggested by mayoclinic.org? Of course. All right. Quote, you'll likely need to have another echocardiogram around four to six weeks after you had, uh, after your first symptoms had, after, you know what? (laughs) You're doing great. (laughs) Let's (laughs) You lost your anchor (laughs) I know. Um, All right, let's start again. Quote, you'll likely need to have another echocardiogram around four to six weeks after your your first symptoms symptoms, uh, to be sure your heart has recovered. Um, Ask your doctor how long you will need to continue taking these medications once you recover, as most can be stopped within three months. End quote. Yeah. The grammar was wrong, The right? grammar was really weird. I just, re- I just reread and it. It's and it's not like, your not fault. <laughs> it's the Mayo Clinic's fault. It's also my fault for copying and pasting and just quoting it without editing. No, <laughs> it's totally fine. I thought we were going to, we were depending on the Mayo Clinic, but now I, now I see they're mildly unreliable. Wow. Echocardiogram, follow up, do it. Do basically. it. Basically, that's what you want and... Congratulations to our party girl for being the first person ever documented to alter her heart with wasabi. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> that's her party. What a boss. I mean, that's <laughs> incredible. And here's to all of us recovering from trauma because that is shit is real. Yeah. And after the break, we're moving on from condiments to beef jerky. Hell yeah. And shit's getting it only weirder from here. So I many nitrates. <laughs> Stay tuned. Please do. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off. An eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-off launches April 9th. Thank you. 
Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, Jill Chacha here from Well That's Interesting, and I am absolutely thrilled to tell you about Spotify for Podcasters. I use it, I love it, and it all started by downloading the free Spotify for Podcasters app, which has all the tools you need in one place to record and edit your masterpiece of a podcast. Spotify for Podcasters also distributes your show to all major platforms. So when you hit publish, your episodes will stream not only on Spotify, but I'm talking about the Apples, the Googles, Stitcher, Good Pods, the other ones. <laughs> you get the idea. And you can monetize your podcast with no minimum listenership required. You could also set up monthly subscriptions and record ads just like this one. So what are you waiting for? Download Spotify for Podcasters today and start changing the world. Oh, and please, stay interesting. And we're back. We are so back. We're so back. And now we're going to talk about meat snacks. I love that. <laughs> I love meat snacks so much. So, Dr. Marissa, are you familiar with the American of all American snacks? The Slim Jim. Am I familiar? What a question. <laughs> of course I am familiar with the Slim Jim. It is a skinny yeah. meat log. Yes. That is full of nitrates that you eat on road trips or any goddamn time you want. That's right. Exactly. It is yep. a type of jerky sold everywhere in New York. And I guess there's across the country. I across mean, it's everywhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anywhere right. you want. Okay. So do you remember its spokesman and the legendary commercials from the 1990s? No, unfortunately, I don't. Okay. I think I was a little baby. Yeah. You were itty Not to brag. Uh, <laughs> Um, but I, I don't think I ever saw it. You brought it up before, uh, before we did the pod, you were saying the Macho Man and I was like, oh yeah, Macho Man. And then I started singing the Macho Macho Man and really yeah. embarrassed myself. And that's, then you were like, no, that's actually the village people. That's, this is something different. Was, and I was like, I was much nicer. <laughs> she was, oh no, she was very kind. Uh, uh, I was the one who was hard on myself, but I was like, there's two Macho Men there's two Macho Man songs, so tell me everything. There's Okay, so the Macho Man song from the Village People is right? legendary. Legendary. Now, Macho Man Randy Savage okay. was the spokesman to Slim Jim from like 93 to 2000 or something. That's a very long time. Yeah, and he was just a wrestler, an American wrestler in the WWE. Okay. So he was a character. Um, we're going to play a commercial from 1993. Okay. Uh, and it's a, it's on YouTube. So if you're a wee thing like you, or just not from the States, or you just need a refresher, or you just want 30 seconds of exceptional cinema, <laughs> search Macho Man Randy Savage, Slim Jim, commercial number one, and you're going to be in for a treat. Oh my okay? God. We're going to... We're gonna play it right now. I'm so excited. And I'm not even gonna just. I'm not even gonna describe what Randy Savage looked like. His voice says everything. <laughs> so, and the summary of this commercial is quote: Macho Man breaks into a rehearsal for a Romeo and Juliet play and tells them about the beef and spice. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. All right. So please, everyone, you know, head on over to YouTube. I'm pl- typing it in right now. And Marissa, please be so kind to watch as it plays. I'm pumped. I have my popcorn. Excellent. And Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? Again, please. Again? Again. Oh my god. Board? Yeah. Step into a Slim Jim. <laughs> Turn to the spice. Um. That baby juicy taste. Oh my god. You know what excitement? Step into a Slim Jim. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just legendary, right? What what to say? Um <laughs> Yeah, it's legendary. I feel like I have seen it before, but my brain was like, there's only so many commercials I can save room for in my head, yeah. and, and that one just didn't make the cut. Oh. Uh, that's not to say it isn't very high quality. <laughs> and just strange as fuck. It's so weird. I feel like there's a time in the 90s where like really weird commercials started just happening. Yeah. They were like very avant-garde. I would put this in the avant-garde category. Very avant-garde. Uh, in case you don't know, it's two kids rehearsing for a high school play, which is Romeo and Juliet. And uh, in the middle of it, uh, Randy Savage, the macho man, uh, just walks in through the set, like busting it down, and yeah. starts eating Slim Jims with yeah. the kid actors. That's right. <laughs> so, that's... And that might not sound like much to you, but it was a lot to me just now. <laughs> Please go look. Please go please, watch. Please check it out. Uh, it is worth it is worth thirty seconds of your life. Uh, yeah, I mean, God. So now Slim Jim has nothing to do with the study we're going to talk about <laughs> today. Best tangent ever. <laughs> so, it's just that while I was reading up on the study that we're going to talk about, I couldn't help but think of the Slim Jim tagline: "Need a little excitement, snap into a Slim Jim." Okay, that's the tagline. Yeah. And you're going to see why. And Slim Jim is is a jerky. It's jerky. It's a yeah, big jerky. for yeah, sure. Exactly. So let's leave this 1993 commercial and head to 2007, where we're at several psychiatric facilities in the Baltimore, Maryland area. Fun. <laughs> you know, I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> we're all over the map here, oh, but fun. stick with me, okay? It's all going to come together. Now, for the past six years, Robert Yokin a neuroviral biologist at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine and his team initially set out to find connections between foodborne infections and mental illness. Now, more than a thousand volunteers signed up for this study, which tracked their diet. Um, Mm. The study group was made up of psychiatric care patients, and the control group were made up of people who worked at the healthcare centers or attended college, those folks had no diagnosis of mental illness. Okay. Okay. Now, something super unexpected happened. They spotted a particular pattern over those six years. Now, would you be so kind to read from Yolkin's published paper in 2018 in the journal Molecular Psychiatry? Absolutely. All right. Quote, here we go. Um, we measured dietary exposures in a cohort of individuals with mania and other psychiatric disorders, as well as in control individuals 
without a psychiatric disorder. We found that a history of eating nitrated dry cured meat, but not other meat or fish products was strongly and independent, independently associated with current mania. End quote. Right. Oh my God. Yes. Jerky is making us manic. <laughs> it's making is That's the short version of this. Jerky is making us, giving us mania. So, yeah, some folks. Uh, the folks who are diagnosed with having manic episodes, who also reported cured meats as part of their diet, they were three times more likely to be hospitalized for mania. Oh my God. There was something about jerky that triggered an episode in folks already predisposed to mania. Wow. So, uh, Jochen got to thinking that nitrates, like you said, in yeah. jerky were the culprit here. Yeah. Now, a few quick notes on nitrates. Uh, they're used to preserve and, like air quotes, improve the color of food. Uh, they're found in packaged processed meats. And the issue with nitrates is that, quote, on their own, they're not broken down by stomach acid. Wow. Instead, your gut biome can break down nitrate into nitrite, which can cause health complications. End quote. From our always optimistic friend, WebMD. Ah, I see where we're going. Something ah, with the gut. It. Hey. Put a pin in it. Put a pin in it. There you go. So how are we going to dig deeper into this theory? Now, you can't ask people diagnosed with mania to eat stuff that can cause more mania. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. It's, just not, it's not good. It's Fair. mean. And it's unethical. Enter our hero, the lab rat. Oh, that's right. Hey. Jochen reached out to researchers who specifically work with lab rats and continued the study on nitrates with them. Oh. Now, would you please do the honor of reading what the fuck happened? And this is from the Gizmodo article, Eating beef jerky might be linked to manic episodes in some people. Oh my God, of course. All right, quote, um, they first fed rats 14 grams of store-bought jerky every day, the rat equivalent of one snack a day in humans, and compared them to a control group. The jerky-fed rats began showing symptoms of hyperactivity and poor sleep within two weeks, while the control group didn't. Next, they fed specially made dried meat without nitrates to another group of rats, finding these rats didn't develop any symptoms. And lastly, they gave rats a typical rat feed loaded with nitrates and found the same pattern. End quote. It is the nitrates so with rats. With the rats. That's right. There you go. There so you go. now, exactly. Remember, we said put a pin in the fact that the gut biome breaks down nitrates, uh, it's not the stomach, and that can cause some issues. Okay, yeah. so in rats, their guts break down nitrates too, just like ours. Mm. Now, when Jochen's team looked, took a gander at the rat's gut microbiome, the rats who ate nitrates had an increase of certain kinds of bacteria associated with behavior and cognition changes in animals. Wow. And there were molecular changes in their brains, too, neural connections associated with mania. Mm -hmm. Now, quote, Jochen cautioned that the results can't prove that the gut changes led to the brain changes, end quote. There haven't been enough studies linking nitrates and people who are predisposed to mental illness. So those studies have to be formed. There's just not enough data, basically. Yeah. But we do know the brain and the gut talk to each other. Like, a fucking a lot. Yeah. 
Yeah, the gut has 500 million neurons connected to the brain through the nervous system alone. That's a lot. Yeah. Now, that sinking feeling we get when we're like uh, stressed or nervous, that's our brain acting out and it physically affects our gut. Holy shit. So that's a real... It's a real thing. Real thing. Yeah. And when your gut is unhappy, like in other words, it's altered or it's imbalanced in some way, like extra nitrates maybe, or not getting enough of your favorite hot... Cheetos or Takis, Marissa. Yeah, it's going to tell your brain, and your brain may make you act out. Oh, it has. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That desire for hot Cheetos may not be your consciousness, but your gut telling your brain what it wants. And your brain makes you go out to the bodega late at night. Real thing that happens at least once a week. That's right. Um, That's why I used you as an example. Thank you. You should. (laughs) In some, quote, Recent evidence indicates that not only is our brain aware of our gut microbes, but these bacteria can influence our perception of the world and alter our behavior. It is becoming clear that the influence of our our microbiome reaches as far beyond the gut to affect the aspects of our biology few would have predicted, our mind, end quote. And that's from Scientific American, the article, Gut Feelings, the Second Brain our gastrointestinal systems. Wow. There you go. It's so real. Totally real. Oh my God. In my notes, I wrote, I desperately want pasta and I wonder if it's my mind or my gut and butt, but honestly, either way, I'm fine with it. That's the way I ended writing this episode. As someone who knows you very well, (laughs) I think it is many body parts that are begging for pasta constantly. Everything from like your toes to your hair. Probably. Is in constant need of pasta. So it could be anything. Long story Again. short, this one eats pasta a lot. And, and her body... a lot. There you go. <laughs> so. I don't think either of our bodies show signs that either of us eat these things either. We're... Uh... We just love we just love these things. And and that's just part of our personality. Yeah, it's totally There you fine. go. So... Deal. Deal with it, God. Damn it. I will be avoiding beef jerky. <laughs> Although I bet Takis are full of nitrates. Oh no! I'll check it out. Check it out. Get back to us. We'll do. uh, Everyone out there, thank you for rating, listening, subscribing, telling your friends. Yeah. And please continue to stay interesting. Please do.